Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Pace. Join with me as always, Zach Henson. Zach, how are you? What's up? Zach, episode 84. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Arguably, actually not even arguably, he's definitely my favorite wide receiver of all time. Maybe he's yours too, besides Tyrone Calico. Um, go ahead, because Zach, I know you have something ready for me. Uh, maybe folks at home will know him by this clip right here. Let's think of the day. My role is to take the ball deep, take the top off the defense. Take the ball deep, take the top off the defense. If I can't get to it. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> Is that a first on this podcast that we've played that? I, you know, I don't think I've heard that. You've never heard that before? No, I've never heard that. I feel like we need to keep playing it. <laughs> so this guy, like 2010, 2011, I mean, I was still in high school. And I remember listening to this. this guy, DJ Porter, yeah. does all these remixes, and he did that one. It's about two minutes of Randy Moss, and it's so good. Uh, but Randy Moss has this famous line of when he uh, you know, he's with the Patriots in 2010. Uh, he gets traded to the Minnesota Vikings, and his first press conference back with the Vikings. I mean, this is like Jordan coming back from retirement with the Bulls. Uh, you know, Randy Moss says, pull your 84 jerseys out. I'm back home. So episode 84, look at Randy Moss here. Four first-team All-Pros, 982 career catches, 15,292 receiving yards, 156 touchdowns. He was fourth all-time in yards, second all-time in touchdowns, only behind Jerry Rice. Uh, and, of course, none of those stats would have been possible without those eight games in a Titans uniform in 2010. Right, yep. Yeah. He, uh, he had six catches on 16 targets for 80 yards. Yep. And I think six, all six of those catches, I think, were from Rusty Smith. <laughs> I remember when they said that we were getting Randy Moss. I mean, that it felt like a dream. It was just weird, and it turned out to be really weird. This is how long ago it felt when they, you know, because it was, I think, it was waiver wire, like the last one of the last weeks of the waiver wire in November that 2010 season, and I just remember. None of us had smartphones, my friends and I, and we drove home from school, from Cookville High School, and we, we watched on the TV, we watched ESPN, where they officially announced the Titans had signed Randy Moss, and I just thought, this is the receiver the Titans have been waiting for since, like, Drew Bennett, you know? Right, yeah. It that just, was a... It seemed too good to be true, and it was. My my lone memory of Randy Moss in a Titans uniform actually does, has nothing to do with Randy Moss, but he was on the field when this happened. Was when Vince Young just kind of went crazy that game against the Redskins. Remember, he ripped his pads off and he threw them in the stands. Yeah, yeah. That's like my memory of Randy Moss as a Titan. Um, another a current eighty four though, easily easily the best current eighty four, Antonio Brown. Um, I know one of Jake Standerford's favorite players. In eight seasons, here's A.B. stat line, 733 catches, um, 9,910 receiving yards, 59 touchdowns, and he's been an all-pro the last four seasons in a row. Uh, what do you say about Antonio Brown? Um, it ends this year for him. Really? Yes. Do I think I know what you're going with. We'll talk about this later. Okay. Am I right? 
in my assumption. I think you're right, yeah. All right, and then uh, this is going to be a weird one, Zach, but I know we always try and work in uh, a particular athlete, not a football player. I know people are thinking this is a fantasy football podcast, but we always work in a particular basketball player. It wasn't number 84, but the year 1984, uh, one particular name was called out at the NBA draft. The Chicago Bulls pick Michael Jordan of the University of North Carolina. The next pick goes to the Dallas Mavericks. So, Zach, I know you're clapping. Uh, Michael Jordan, the GOAT. That's right. Is there even a contest? Is, is there even a contest of him being the GOAT? No, no, definitely not. And somewhere out there, Jake is clapping as well. All right, so speaking of Jake, okay. Michael, jo- Michael Jordan drafted third overall on June 19th, 1984, by the Chicago Bulls. Who was born 65 days later on August 23rd? Jake, Jake? Standifer. <laughs> wow. So that clip you just heard. Out of the day. Yeah, that clip you just heard was 65 days prior to the birth of Jake Standifer, who has denied MJ's greatness ever since. Yeah, it's a struggle. So let's talk about that draft. The first overall pick that year was Hakeem Olajuwon, who the Rockets took from Nigeria. Well, they didn't, like, steal him. I mean, they, they drafted him from, from Nigeria. So that's understandable. I mean, Hakeem Olajuwon, one of the great players of all time. Right. But the second overall pick, Zach, do you remember who went before Michael Jordan? I feel like if I had a multiple choice, I could pick it out. Second overall that year, the Portland Trailblazers foolishly took the seven foot one center Sam Bowie yeah. from the University of Kentucky. Yep, yep. Now look, like Sam Bowie played 511 career games over 10 seasons, but he only took Portland to the playoffs twice, whereas MJ only missed the playoffs once with the Bulls. And that was in 1994 when he was technically playing baseball at the time for the White Sox. Okay. So you can't really count that season against him. And oh, yeah, he won six titles. Yeah, six, just six. Yeah. Yeah, just six. So, Jake, I'm sorry I had to do it to you, but we had to work in MJ somehow in every episode in 1984, the year he was drafted, the year you were born. Who knew you shared that in common? That's right. Like Mike. If I could be like Mike. Zach, was that the best part of your day? Yeah, that was it. That was definitely it right there. Best part of waking up with soldiers in your cup. That was the best part of my week. Best part of the whole week. Wow, I'm glad I could do that for you. Best part of my week, probably tonight, not hosting this podcast. I mean, I'm enjoying it. But, um, you know, I made breakfast for dinner. And, Zach, we've talked about this before. Breakfast food is just something that, like, guys inherently are good at. I could eat breakfast for any meal possibly multiple day, multiple times per day. That's and like just, there's just something about breakfast for dinner. Like, I, you know, I don't drink like whole glasses of milk anymore. Like I'm an adult, but for some reason when I have breakfast for dinner, I'll fill up a glass of milk. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, I don't know. There's something about it. You know, that could be the best part of my week during this, this past week. Um, we were uh, at mom and dad's house and we were finishing up a photo shoot. Um, and mom asked if she could cook some eggs and bacon for us. Like we hadn't even had dinner yet. And I thought, you know what? I'll take some if, if, if you want to cook. And so mom cooked us breakfast for dinner, like at eight something, you know, eight thirty. And I don't remember the last time that I've had 
um, mom cooking breakfast for us that late. And I kind of felt like I was supposed to go upstairs and go to, go to bed up in my bedroom or something, you know, and in <laughs> the night there, but, uh, that was pretty awesome. So I'll call that the best part of my week. Um, another thing that was the best part of the week, this was really what I was getting at. Uh, I didn't know the date of when this was supposed to air, but tonight, actually, uh, this is, you know, Thursday night, July 19th at 11:30 PM central time, the Robin Williams documentary come inside my mind debuts on HBO. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Zach, if you had to pick one, um, I mean, Robin Williams had so many great movies in the nineties. Um, you know, when you and a lot of people in our league were growing up, but as a kid, what was your favorite Robin Williams movie from the nineties? Do you want some options here? Yeah. Give me some options. So there's hook a great movie from, I think like 91, 92, uh, the voice of the genie and Aladdin, Robin Williams. So Aladdin counts there. Jumanji flubber and Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. Well, so as a kid, what was your favorite of those, would you say? Um, definitely Aladdin for me, followed by Jumanji. Okay. And Hook, Doubtfire, and I don't think I ever watched Flubber. Yeah, Flubber was probably a little after your time. I want to say I was like six or seven when that came out. Not that great. Yeah. Uh, I, there's, I'll always have a special place uh, in my heart for Mrs. Doubtfire. That's where my sister Emily learned all of her curse words as a kid. <laughs> um, so we had a lot of fun with that movie growing up. But um, I'll put that as the poll question in the Facebook group. And I'll actually make it a poll this time. And hopefully people will actually participate because it has been dead in our Facebook group. I will say that. Yeah, we need to get, you know, get some more people, you know, talking in there. So, yeah. Well, let's start talking about the NFL and take a trip around the league. <laughs> Zach, it's July 19th. I think a few teams have officially reported, but it's that time of the year where the NFL teams, all 32, reporting to training camp either this week or next week. Um, Zach, what this always means is this week and next week, we're going to see a lot of what I call eye-rollable training camp headlines. So these are things you'll read and just roll your eyes because it's, it's just we need to fill the cracks that is the headlines in the offseason, uh, especially during training camp. So uh, I'm going to give you a few examples here. Maybe you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, here's one that I saw today from the Baltimore Sun. This headline says, after disappointing end to 2017, Ravens put optimistic face on first day of extended training camp. Obviously. I mean, are they heading into training camp pessimistic about the season ahead? I, just these, these headlines are so boring. Um, yeah, yeah. These are bad. Here's another bad one. This was from the USA Today's uh, The Bingle Wire in Cincinnati. It says, Joe Mixon is slimmed down and ahead of bell cow season. I hate these, these headlines about players, especially running backs, where they've shed like eight pounds. And you see these, what a lot of people call tropes, where people, they'll say things like, uh, you know, in the best shape of his life or has never felt this good or never been better. I just, it's so boring, so bland. Um, and then the last one here, this is about Allen Robinson, who to me, I think is a no thanks candidate. Uh, but Bears GM Ryan Pace told the Chicago Tribune that Allen Robinson is quote unquote, full steam ahead. What does that even mean? Yeah, this is, 
sounding sounding like uh, it's a slow time. <laughs> I, I yeah, and there's only a few teams that have reported to camp, so I feel like we need to fast forward a week or two before we can really um, get past these eye rolling headlines. Uh, but those are some ones that I found this week. I just this time of year is exciting because you know we're we've all been craving football to be back, but I have not been craving these. All 32 teams have a chance at the Super Bowl. Yeah, kind of headlines. Yeah, it's like any positive spin they can put on, like you know, somebody making a crazy catch or something in practice. Or like, oh man, breakout season coming. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, some other news here: July 18th. Um, actually, I believe it was the 16th on Monday was the deadline for teams to sign a long-term deal from the players that they franchise tagged back in March. Um, the biggest name that was franchised this offseason was uh, Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, the Steelers and Bell were unable to sign a long-term deal. Um, so, Zach, let me ask you, should we reconsider Bell's draft value? I mean, I know you know thanks to him last week, surprisingly. Um, but this whole franchise tag deal and not being able to sign a long-term deal, does that change your opinion at all? Um, I mean, from last week, I still think, you know, if this continues on, and there's, I mean, there's all kind of reports, you know, but I mean, if this does go into the season, any, um, and if he misses like preseason stuff, it's going to affect him a little bit. He's going to drop some, um, because I think he's really unhappy with the Steelers at this point. And, uh, I mean, I've seen crazier things. So, I mean, it, it definitely would affect his, his draft stock in our league if, uh, this continues on. I think he'll sit out for the training camp, but I think he'll we'll see him in maybe one of the last preseason games or see him at least week one. Um, and not that it really means anything, Zach, but, you know, Bell tweeted on Monday that his intentions have always been to retire a Steeler and that 2018, this is going to be his best season yet, which, again, another annoying kind of off-season talk. Hey, the best season yet, best season yet. But um, here's a stat, though. So, According to Chris Wessling of NFL.com from the Around the NFL podcast, Bell's 129 yards from scrimmage average per game is the most all-time for a player in their first five years. So, you know, he really has not had a down year or even a down set of a few weeks in his entire career. So I'd be surprised if, if that weren't the case again this year. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Um, LaShawn McCoy update. There really isn't one. Um, there haven't been too many updates in the past week since we discussed that awkward, crazy situation with LaShawn McCoy and his girlfriend. Um, the only update really is that it's been, um, reported that his girlfriend's story has a couple of plot holes and that maybe shady may or may not have been set up, um, throughout all of this. I am curious to see what happens here. Uh, I, I, am already, you know, I, I've done a few mock drafts already and I've looked at a few, um, ADPs and rankings. And even since this story came out, um, LaShawn McCoy has dipped out of the first round in some people's projections. Wow. Um, Zach, Zach, how do you think all this shakes out? Well, I mean, if, I haven't heard any of that stuff, so I don't really know what to say, but I mean, if they're reporting that there could be loopholes, then, um, then yeah, I mean, it sounds like he might be set up. We talked about Antonio Brown earlier, one of Jake Stanford's favorite players in the league. Um, AB was announced yesterday as the 2019 Madden cover athlete. Um, and Zach, I, I think I heard you saying this earlier without actually saying it, but it sounds like you're a believer in the Madden curse. Very much so. Really? Okay, so 
I have a couple of names here I was going to ask you about. I know you're pretty familiar with this franchise. I can ask you about a few players um, who were cover athletes, or you can just give me some names. Um, we'll talk. We'll we'll try and determine if they were uh, cursed by the Madden cover. All right. I need to get these stats in front of me. Hold on. Okay. Uh, let me just ask you about this first one here. You can look up here. Uh, near and dear to home, Eddie George, who was actually the first player to be featured on the cover of Madden. Uh, it was John Madden from like 1988 to 2001. So his cursed season would have been 2002. So Eddie George, 2002, did he receive the Madden curse in your opinion? Um, yeah, I think so. Wait, Eddie George was in 2002? He was the, he was the cover on 01. So it was the two, or yes. Okay. I'm looking this up. Hold on, hold on. Sure. This is great radio, by the way. It says it says that the curse did strike in 2000, 2001. Uh-oh. It says, nevertheless, a rare bobble passed by George late in the fourth quarter of a playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens led to an interception and touchdown that ended the Titans' otherwise stellar season. While George would remain in the NFL for four more seasons, he never ran for more than 1,200 yards in a single season again and averaged less than 3.4 yards per carry for the remainder of his career. So, yeah, I would say that it – the curse uh, strikes on that one. Okay. Zach, one of your favorite all-time quarterbacks I know, uh, Michael Vick, who was on the cover in 04. So the Madden cursed season would have been 2003 if you're a buyer. Was Michael Vick cursed? Yes, yes I remember this. He was cursed. Uh, he was cursed. Maybe, maybe he had some legal issues. I don't know if that was a result of Madden uh, being on the cover there, but I don't remember a lot about Michael Vick's 2003 season. Was he injured? Well, he uh, he was uh, he fractured his fibula or something like that. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, so that's what that's what I remember. All right, another Titans cover. Vince Young was on the cover of 08, so it was the 2007 season. Do you remember anything about that, about Vince Young, and if he was uh, cursed by being on the cover of Madden? I think I would say it did strike that season. Did he go to backup that season? No, no. The Titans, I believe, in the first round of the playoffs in the wild card against the uh, Chargers. That was the game LaDainian Tomlinson scored and uh knocked out the Titans, but I don't know if, if VY, if you could say he was oh, struck by the Madden curse. Here it is. Here it is. It's, this, uh, this says after scoffing at the Madden curse, when he made the announcement on a late night television, young had a slow start to the 2007 season only to injure his quad quadricept in week six. He would miss the following week's game. The first time he had ever missed a game due to injury. He would return later in the season only to re injure himself in the final game of the season season opening the door for backup Kerry Collins to take the reins. After that, Young's transition to a backup role was cemented the following season when he entered his knee in the first game of the 2008 season, and Collins was named the starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. So, yeah, it struck. All right, and then the next cover. We need a sound clip for, like, lightning or something, you know, thunder. That would be good. We should have thought of that ahead of time. Um, this one, I agree that this next one was cursed by Madden or himself. The 09 cover was Brett Favre. So there was a, there were two covers there were him and a Packer Jersey. And then remember he retired and then was re was signed by the New York jets. So this was the 2008 
Brett Favre season. Zach, what do you remember about that 08 season, the only season you know Brett Favre played with the Jets? It was terrible. I don't think he did anything great. Not only was he bad on the field, uh, let's just say oh. Brett Favre sent a couple <laughs> pictures off the field that might have ruined things for him in New York. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, yeah, the, the curse definitely struck on that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely cursed himself, and we can maybe attribute oh. some of that to Madden. People forget about that, man. People, I, I you know, I, I read a, a Brett Favre documentary a couple years ago by Jeff Perlman called Gunslinger that had a, a good bit about that. But I don't know. That's like, it, it's kind of like, uh, what can I compare it to? It, it's like when Eddie Murphy was caught with that prostitute. It's like people just forget about it, you know? It just the people move on. Um, but I could definitely see that being a Madden curse. And then another one comes to mind here. Rob Gronkowski on the cover of Madden 17. So it was the 2016 season. Zach, what do you remember about Gronk's 2016 season, who I believe was on Pace in Your Face that year? Injuries. Absolutely. Just injuries, yeah. Gronk actually missed all of the playoffs uh, that year. The Patriots went on to beat the Atlanta Falcons, of course, in that 28-3 comeback win, and they did it all without Gronk. So you could say he was, was Madden cursed? Yes. And you're telling me it sounds like you think A.B., Antonio Brown, is going to be the next recipient of the Madden curse. I, you know, maybe you can Babe Ruth this and call your shot. Yeah. How, how do you think he's going to be cursed? Well, what's going to happen here is that Le'Veon Bell is, like I said, he's going to get injured. He's going to hold out something. He's going to get injured, which is going to cause for – teams to just blitz the fire out of Ben Roethlisberger and Ben Roethlisberger, big Ben is going to go down and that is going to equal just garbage for Antonio Brown this season. Antonio Brown may be healthy, but nobody's going to be able to get him the ball and his season will be lost. Probably, on, probably on Jake's roster. You heard it here first. Yeah, You heard it here first. Thank you. All right. So that was, uh, you know, I, I am not a believer of the Madden curse. I'll go ahead and say it, Zach. Um, I, I just, I don't think there are enough examples, but we can go into this at a later date. Um, but I do want to play a game here that I kind of came up with earlier this week, and it may or may not make sense at all here, Zach, but we used to play this game a lot, I remember growing up, called Foursquare. Okay. And I wanted to play Foursquare with four quarterbacks. Um, this is Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes, and Case Keenum. These are the four quarterbacks that were all kind of involved, and they're all on, on basically on new teams. I mean, Mahomes was the backup and is now the starter. Um, but, of course, Alex Smith traded to Washington just before the Super Bowl this past year. Kirk Cousins signs a massive deal with the Minnesota Vikings, and Case Keenum signs with the Broncos. So if we were to play four square with these four quarterbacks, um, Zach, where would you rank these four in your opinion? I'm going to go with Cousins, Smith, Mahomes, and Keenum. Wow, that is my exact ranking. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and I'll say this too. So three of the four of these quarterbacks, so obviously Cousins, Smith, and Keenum, um, who were all three starters last year. You know, Mahomes, the only one that wasn't a starter. Three of those four. We're in the top 14 among quarterbacks in our league last year. 
Um, so in the top 14 QBs. Um, so let's just kind of break this down. Zach, what makes you think Cousins um, finishes at the top of those four? Um, I just think that he, uh, just as a whole, the team's better. They got more, just a, a better roster, better playmakers on that team. So um, that's why I'm going with that. Yeah, Cousins finished seventh among QBs in our league last year. Um, you know, basically everyone's returning from last season on his offense with, with um, you know, Thielen, Diggs, Treadwell. They now have Kendall Wright, so we'll see what he does there in the slot. Uh, and Kyle Rudolph, of course. And great running backs and, and Dalvin Cook, who should be healthy this year. Latavius Murray. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, for the last three years, he played on a franchise tag, or he played on kind of a prove-it deal in Washington. Um, and he now is the first player in NFL history to receive a fully guaranteed contract. So um, that's now out of the way. I think, you know, he just he gets to play uh, without money being involved this year. Um, so I think that that's going to lead to his success. Alex Smith, Zach, what do you think he ranked last year among quarterbacks in our league? Hmm. 13th. He was the third best quarterback in our league last year. What? The third? The top three were Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and then Alex Smith. Oh, my goodness. I remember talking about him early in the season because I believe Jay and Jacob drafted him kind of late, or maybe they picked him up even in free agency after the draft was over. Um, but they, after week one, they immediately started him because Alex Smith was hot for the yeah. first five or six weeks last year. Um, you know, I would say that Alex Smith arguably has the most offensive line help among all these quarterbacks kind of in this four-square game. Um, and, you know, they added Paul Richardson from Seattle. So I think Washington will be all right. Uh, I just, you know, I put Smith second there. Man. Um, you and I, we picked Mahomes um, third, and there's a lot of upside, but there's also a big question mark with him being that he only played really like a game and a half last season. Um, you know, Kansas City has a decent offensive line. They have some really flashy, speedy receivers and Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins, who's, who's now in KC. Um, I just I think Mahomes is going to use Travis Kelsey as a, as a crutch. Um, young quarterbacks, especially like, you know, Mariota's been with Delaney Walker. These young QBs, they just they rely on their tight ends so much. So I could easily see Kelsey getting like 10 to 12 targets a game. Yeah, and I mean, it was close for me between him and Keenum, but. Uh with Keenum like changing teams completely, um, I had to give it to Mahomes there. I mean, he, he spent a year, you know, looking at the playbook and watching everything. Right. Uh, so I had to give the edge to him over Keenum. I mean, I was going to say with his weapons and like Tyree Kill and, and Sammy Watkins and, and Travis Kelsey, I, I could make the case that you could put him at number two over Alex Smith just based on upside alone. Mm -hmm. But this is essentially Mahomes' rookie season. Yeah. You know, he didn't really even play last year. Played like a game and a half, like I said. So Ben Simmons, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and that's we what's weird about the NBA is that even if you played a little bit one year in your, in your rookie year, your second year is considered your rookie year still. I've, I've never understood that. Yeah. The NHL is the same way. Last quarterback here that we talked about, Case Keenum. Zach, to me, he still has to prove that he can be a team starting quarterback. Um, you know, last season – was the first year that he played more than eight games in a season. And even though he went 11-3, and three, I think a lot of quarterbacks could have done that in Minnesota with that offense last year. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be that good this year. Um, you know, like I said, it's just going to be 
it's going to be tough just going to a brand new team like that. I, I would have more confidence in him if he was still, you know, with Minnesota. Um, right. But, you know, changing teams and everything, I just, I don't know, big question mark. Keenum was 14th last year among quarterbacks in our league, which was impressive. I mean, he had 22 touchdowns, um, 3,500 yards. You know, I, I just, I don't, you know, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas are coming off really uncharacteristic years. You know, Demarius Thomas last year, it was his first season under 1,000 receiving yards since 2011. And it was Emmanuel Sanders' first under 1,000 since his last year in Pittsburgh in 2013. So these are guys that we've been used to having these big years. Um, and for the first time in, in, you know, for some cases, five, six, seven years, uh, last, it was the first time that they've had under 1,000 yards. So I, I just – that offensive line looks like it could be a bottom five O-line in the league. I just – I don't see – the upside at all in Denver's offense this year. Yep. I agree. So we talked last week about the NFC South and we kind of ranked a couple of the position groups there. And to me, the NFC South feels like one of the strongest divisions in football. I would say, let's talk about the NFC East um, this week. Uh, we'll talk about and kind of do the same thing we did last week where we rank. I just, I, I think it's kind of similar to the NFC South, but in a way, it's not as rounded out as well as the NFC South. The East, to me, feels kind of top-heavy. Um, and where teams are strong, they're really strong. And where they're weak, they're really weak, in a way. Um, so, Zach, do you have a quarterback ranking of uh, the NFC East? Yeah, I, I think you still got to give it to Wentz and Foles, you know, that that combo right there, whatever it may be. Um but, I mean, after you said that, I mean, I guess Alex Smith. I didn't realize he was third overall, you know, last year in our in our rankings. And then um, I'll give it to Manning and then Prescott. I'm going to put last. I went a little differently. I went Wentz, Dak, Manning, and then Smith. Okay. Um, and I kind of see what you're, what you're saying there. But I agree with Wentz. I mean, depending on how he returns from his torn ACL, I mean, I think Wentz could be a top five quarterback by the end of the season. Uh, okay. There's – Quick, quick question. Sure. What percentage do you think the chances that Jordan Iwan is and drafts him in the first round? Oh, high. I think he drafts Wentz and Nick Foles just to be just <laughs> back, to be safe. Back to back. Okay. Yeah, just to just to be safe. <laughs> okay. All right. And I mean, speaking of Foles, I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about you know his performance in the Super Bowl, of course, and how he led them through the playoffs. Uh, and that was all based on an injury. I mean, if Wentz plays all of last season, he would have been the MVP of the league. He was playing that well. I just There's no way Foles plays beyond week four or five this year. I don't care if he's playing like the first few games of Deshaun Watson's career and how hot he was last year. I just Wentz has arguably the best offensive line in the league. He's got Alshon Jeffrey coming back. They signed Mike Wallace. They've got Nelson Aguilar. That's not a terrible trio at receiver. And that backfield, too, of Jay Ajayi and Darren Sproles, Corey Clement, I like the Eagles' situation better than anybody else. Um, and then I put Dak there, uh, and we can discuss this a little bit. I know you had him ranked last, but, um, you know, I, I know I, I said Philly might have one of the best O-lines in the league, but I still think it's Dallas's. They have the best um, from the left all the way to the right. And the only problem is without Des Bryant and Jason Witten, um, as weapons for, for Dak, it's going to be hard to know what he's going to be able to do behind that line. Um, you know, they, they trade for Tavon Austin. They have Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams coming back. So I'm not excited at all about his passing targets for Dak. 
So I, I think this could be another Zeke Elliott rookie season performance. Yep, I agree. Are you are you high on Zeke heading into the season? I think you got to be. I mean, coming in knowing he's going to play the full season this year, and um, I mean, what else are they going to do? <laughs> you know, they got it. They got it. Yeah. Here. Yeah, and and you know the the next QB I had here was Eli Manning. You know, the Giants they passed on Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. They they passed on all those QBs who a lot of people just assumed would they would take one at number two. Um, to kind of take over for Eli Manning, but um, they they opt for Saquon Barkley, a rookie running back. So I think it's safe, though, to say that we're nearing the end of Eli Manning's career. So, you know, and I don't think they have a terrible situation this year, the Giants, that is. Um, You know, Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard are back from injury. Evan Ingram had surprisingly a really impressive rookie year for a tight end, which doesn't really happen that often. Um, You know, they gave Eli some help with signing Nate Solder at left tackle and Will Hernandez, the guard. Uh, So things could be worse for Eli, but I think if he's going to do anything from a fantasy perspective, he's going to have to dial back the clock a few years. Would you agree? Yep, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I I just – I don't – Zach, I don't think he's a fantasy starter in a 14-team league like ours. Yeah. Do you think he's a backup? Is he top 28? Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. All right, and then last year, Alex Smith, um, I think you, you and I maybe don't agree on this one, but I just it feels like the Redskins are going to be this run-first, spread-the-wealth team. Um, it actually it looks like the team Alex Smith was just traded from in the Chiefs. You know, Darius Geis, the running back they took, he's presumably the bell cow now, but you know they still have Rob Kelly, Chris Thompson, and Samaje Pirine, who that could look like Alex Smith's you know, new Spencer Ware and Char Kendrick West to Kareem Hunt. Um, so I just – I think this is a run-first team, and they don't really have a lot of receiver help. Yeah, definitely. Would, how would you how would you rank these receiving groups? you got to put the Giants first, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you got to with OBJ there. Um, and then I guess I would go Eagles, Redskins, Cowboys. I had Dallas and, and Washington flip, so you and I agreed there. Um, I just I put Washington last because Josh Doxson, to me, feels like a bust after two seasons, uh, and I don't really think they have a lot of help there at receiver. Yes. Um, what about the running backs? Where would you lead? I'd go Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, then Redskins. Yep, that's exactly where I'm at. I don't think you can really argue that. Yeah. And when I said it was top-heavy earlier, I mean, Dallas and the Giants, they both have number one running backs. Probably, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about ranking a rookie running back so yeah. highly. Yeah. Everyone is obsessed with Saquon and, and putting him on these top players under the age of 25 lists. Um, but if he's as good as everyone's saying, you know, the, the Cowboys and the Giants both could have two of the top five running backs in the league. Yep. I mean, Zeke did it. So, I mean – yeah. They- I pick on them. They're going to use them. So they need somebody. We've already mentioned the the running backs for Philly and for Washington. They both kind of have a, a running back by committee um, look. So I, I think the receiving groups and the running back groups in this division are, are top heavy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that I, I've enjoyed doing these, these kind of division by division discussions. Um, I, I don't think that the NFC East is as strong as the South that we discussed last week. I mean, the receivers for the NFC South are so good. 
Uh, I just, I think it's just top to bottom a better division, but I still kind of feel like the Eagles might have a chance at repeating this year. Really? I think they could. Okay. Um, but Zach, we've kind of blazed through everything we had here. Um, let's, uh, let's kind of take a look at our league here with CMB. Do we have any league news you want to share? Yeah. Um, fee reminder, we just got three teams that haven't paid yet. Uh, Matt Collins, Jordan Iwanizen and Kevin White. I still need their money um, by the 30th. Um, if they want to forget, that's okay. We will put their name in a separate pool and and they'll get the last selection. Uh, and, and just a reminder that the draft pre-draft meeting is on July 30th, which is a Monday night. Um, can't remember what the time is off the top of my head, maybe 8.15 or something like that. Um, but we'll, we'll post more information on that. Also, I have a tease for the next episode but uh our next podcast episode jay myrick and jacob or maybe just jay i'm not sure we'll see if we can get jacob they're going to possibly rumor is sources close to me that they may reveal their draft selection where they're going to draft um which position so so i totally forgot that's a new thing this year right letting the winner yeah they won league pick them jay won it so they get automatically the first selection, so they may uh, let us know on the next episode where that that slot that they're going to take is. I wonder if they take the Chase Gaw approach and you don't pick number one just by default because of uh, some kind of curse. You just don't feel comfortable with number one. That's Chase has done that in the past. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it, though. So it'll, yeah. be, it'll be fun to find out. That'll be interesting for sure. Um, I'm also looking forward to knowing the time on the – pre-draft meeting because I don't want to be late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's 815. I'm going to go with 815. <laughs> All right. Um, Zach, anything else you want to share before we go to Tweet of the Week? Nope. Tweet of the Week. <laughs> All right. And Zach also does not have a Tweet of the Week himself, apparently. So I, uh, I'll jump in here. The only one that I saw this week, Zach, worth sharing was from at Theisman7. This is actually, this is Joe Theisman's Twitter account. Um, This was from July 13th, uh, almost a week ago. He said, in all caps, Pitbull, like the hip-hop artist, is a concert you can't miss. I want to know the backstory there. I I think I saw that, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like Like Joe Theisman said that Pitbull is a concert you can't miss. Yeah, that's... Interesting. <laughs> That's a plot twist for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of football-themed tweets of the week are coming soon. Um, just figured I would share that one. Um, Zach, anything else before we part ways, or are we good? I think we're good. Uh, let's go eat a W. Ten thousand years will give you such a crick in the neck.